this is Charlie O'Shields, and welcome back to another episode of Sketching Stuff. Today, we're taking a little trip back in time to childhood. And while these are stories of mine, I do hope they'll remind you of your own memories of being a kid. Those tender years when life was nothing more than a huge bundle of possibility. So many dreams waiting in the wings to happen, and the precious feeling of being practically invincible. I often access my inner child when I paint and write. He was never shy about trying new things and never worried about making mistakes. And when you're making something new, that's the best possible way to feel. So join me now as we reflect on that wonderful time not so long ago, at least that's what I'd like to believe, when we were kids. Welcome to Sketching Stuff, a collection of stories sketched from life. Little Charlie. Today we're going back in time to the mid-70s, as if the clothes weren't a dead giveaway. This is only my second doodle wash portrait, no ink this time, only pencil, but I did get the likeness right, at least me as my little self way back when. For some reason, drawing myself at this age was much easier, as it's not quite someone I know. In fact, my long-term memory is so poor that only recollections of childhood I have are the stories my mother tells me, and I'm not sure just how reliable she is as a source. These are the stories that we cringe at hearing our parents tell, but since I'm not sure what to write about a selfie, I figured I'd share some with you. Or, according to Mom, as I used to say when announcing my three-year-old self bounding into the room, here comes old Chawi. The first mom claim involved my learning to walk. I was behind the age kids should be walking on their own and my family was wondering what was taking me so long. One day I was standing holding the edge of a piano and let go and suddenly walked across the room which caused the family gathered there to erupt in applause. He was just waiting for the applause, she tells everyone. He's been walking ever since. She also claims that I began reading before anyone remembered teaching me. In the grocery stores, my mom and older sister were struggling to find the right kind of Campbell's soup. And I mean seriously, maybe that can is a design that's cool in Warhol's hands, but it was a pain in the butt back then before they added photos. I was only two but would casually point to the right one each time they were struggling, to which my sister would always reply, Who taught you to read, Charlie? Also, the child you see here was once asked the million dollar question. You know the one, the mother of all questions. What do you want to be when you grow up? Funny how it's so fun when you're younger to dream about possible answers to this and yet terrifying and impossible to answer as adults. But allegedly, according to mom, I didn't skip a beat and answered famous, so they'll make a doll that looks like me. Yeah, I'm not sure the validity of these stories, as they all sound a bit far-fetched to me, but I have to admire this kid's ambition. Sometimes I wonder what little old Chawi would think of me now. Did I do all of the things he dreamed about way back then? Would he be proud of old Charlie now, or feel like I failed him? Sorry, Charlie, as that tuna used to say on commercials, making your childhood a one-joke nightmare. I don't think I've done everything you've set out to accomplish. We're not particularly famous now, and we never got that doll, buddy. But there's good news. We're still growing up, and we get to keep dreaming. And I hope if you're out there listening that you're still enjoying growing up as well. 
And if you still haven't figured out what you want to be or still waiting to fulfill that promise to your ambitious three-year-old self, don't worry about it. As little Charlie used to say, milkshake, boom, boom. He was just so profound, that kid. Always so thought-provoking. Eating like a kid again. When I once encountered a drawing prompt of silly, it took me back to those fun days when my breakfast came in a colorful box featuring a zany and silly character. I loved all of those various characters and cereals back then, but had a penchant for Fruit Loops. The colors just made me smile, and I used to try to get all of the same color on the spoon to see if it tasted like a particular fruit. I convinced myself the yellow ones had a unique flavor, but truly, each little loop tasted just as fruity as the last. It wasn't, of course, silly for a kid to eat this cereal, but when I tried to grab some as an adult, Philippe stopped me with a look that kills dreams. I wasn't even going for the family-sized box, as that would be crazy, but tried to get those tiny boxes that came in a multi-pack. I thought it would be fun reliving my youth, one cute little box at a time, but was quickly informed that my youth came with a better ability to metabolize sugar and I needed to put it back pronto. I did, reluctantly, but sulked the remainder of the grocery trip, secretly vindicated that I got to be like a kid again after all. Our normal breakfast consists of a bowl of oatmeal, golden raisins, and blueberries. Don't get me wrong, it's a perfectly delicious and healthy start to the day, but just isn't the same as back then. Not only doesn't it come in a box with a character on it, its mundaneness and normalcy doesn't immediately suggest a fun name or a character sidekick to accompany it. It's just oatmeal and fruit. I tried to reimagine it in my head, calling it raisinberry oats, but even that sounded too adult and boring. No brightly colored toucan, tiger, elf, or frog would ever agree to be the celebrity spokesman for that. But I fail to see why only foods for kids should come with such adorable marketing. For example, I don't adore rice cakes, although they're a healthy snacking option, but if they were marketed as Ronnie the Rhino's rice cakes, I would happily reconsider them. I don't just miss the ability to metabolize sugar, I miss the fun of food that doesn't take itself so seriously. So, if you're wondering, this doodle wash is of course from a reference as I never succeeded in getting my Fruit Loops. But I'm equally glad that someone loves me enough to protect me from even myself. I shouldn't have all that sugar, but I still miss the memories of those Saturday morning breakfasts, separating loops onto a spoon and watching cartoons. I figured that since Philippe denied me my chance to relive this childhood food, the least he could have done is dress up as a toucan while making dinner. This suggestion, not surprisingly, was met with yet another dream-killing stare. Oh well, there's more than enough Legos on display in our house to make up for it, I guess. It's not that I don't want to grow old, it's simply that I never want to grow up. This, to me, has always seemed like trading in a wild sense of glee, fun, and discovery for a life that somehow moved on from all of that. Why should we? When I hop in to try something new, which is as often as I can, it makes me feel alive no matter what it is. Even the smallest of daily discoveries can make me feel as though I'm finally eating like a kid again.
my very first little bike. Like most little kids, my first bike came with three wheels. I tend to imagine all of my childhood rides in red, but I honestly can't remember the color. What I remember most is the thrill of being able to roll about and go wherever I liked. I'm sure my mother has pictures somewhere of me on the actual tricycle, but all I have now are my memories. I'm equally not sure if it was quite as cool looking as this one and was most likely something far more plain and simple, but it wouldn't have mattered in the least. Getting your first set of wheels is a thrilling occasion. Sure, it really wasn't possible to go faster than the speed of walking and any child at a run could outrace you, but having those wheels made it all okay. It was a chance to be like those big kids I'd seen on their two-wheeled bicycles as they zoomed past me. One day, that would be me, but in that moment, I could dream I was just like them. From here, I was upgraded to a bike with training wheels. It seemed like a bit of a step backwards since there were now four wheels and my entire goal was to make it just two. Riding on two wheels seemed like magic to watch at the time. It really seemed like it shouldn't be possible. Those kids on 10-speed bikes who sailed down the street on the thinnest of wheels I'd ever seen were my heroes. Sometimes without any hands on the handlebars and always without helmets. This was in the early 70s after all. People weren't ignoring the rules, there were just several hundred on parenting that hadn't been written yet, and we all mysteriously managed to survive anyway. I eventually got a new bike for myself, of course, and could travel farther from home than ever before on an endless number of adventures. This lasted several years, and I was initially content, thinking I'd conquered one of life's greatest challenges. But as with most things in life, there's always something a little better waiting just around the corner. As happy as I was to be gliding around on two wheels, I weirdly started to find myself craving four again. I had just turned 15 and was learning how to drive something far more adventurous in the form of a car. Well, an old truck my parents let me use to practice. I was about to become as close to being an adult as one gets before actually becoming one. Though who can say really when we actually become one? I would be able to go wherever I wanted with my friends, not just places in the neighborhood, but places far away from me. I would be able to go on dates and make out in the back seat. I would soon go to college and have my very own apartment, or compartment as the reality was, but still, it was going to be so amazing. I'd have a job and would be entirely on my own. The independence I sought to the moment I was born was just within my reach. Looking back, I only have to chuckle. We're never truly on our own, thankfully, and life is never better than the version we learn most definitely requires others. But I was so busy shaping me back then that I was often too busy to stop and notice. I was an unstoppable trajectory and great things must surely be happening next, thanks to those three little wheels of my very first little bike. They spent all his allowance on candy in one day. Candy Day. Forget about that diet, put down that carrot stick, it's time to talk about candy. One of my favorite candies is Jelly Bellies, mostly because of the assortment pack, as all the flavor choices are made for you, thus removing the indecision and getting straight to the sugary point. 
Philippe, however, won't let me get the giant jelly belly jar at Costco, not to protect me, but to protect himself. If left unattended, I would likely find the jar empty, Philippe rolling on the floor, clutching his stomach and moaning, while the dog looks on with his thanks for not sharing you asshole look on his face. When I was a little kid, I used to love to go to the bank with my mother. I didn't think that I was going to get any money, nor did I fancy myself a future bank president. No, I went for the candy. And also, because at my tender age, it was not acceptable to leave me home alone, even in the 70s. One time when we visited, I kept pulling my mother's pant leg, she never wore dresses, to get her attention. What? she asked. She was about to approach the teller we had seen last time, and I was determined to stop her, so I tugged harder, trying to steer her in a different direction. What is wrong, Charlie? she asked. I paused, but told the truth. I don't like him. She looked surprised and asked why, to which I simply replied, he gives green suckers. She said later she was surprised because I had calmly eaten that green sucker without saying a word. Of course I did, it was the only sucker available, but I didn't like it. It was green. Red suckers tasted like cherries, orange like oranges, purple like grapes, and yellow like lemons. Green suckers just tasted green. Whether it was a failed attempt at lime or green apple or both, the end result was just an oddly sweet green flavor. I hated them. Odd today that my favorite Jelly Belly is green, or at least greenish. I like the pear ones best as they taste like biting into a real pear, or at least a pear that's been petrified in a bath of caro syrup. At any rate, they're delicious. We once tried the Jelly Belly Bean Boozled game, which pairs gross flavors with their classics that you eat by spinning the wheel to see what you'll get. It's truly death-defying as you wait to see if yours is flavored as lime or lawn clippings, peach or barf, or my precious pear suddenly made to taste like a booger. Philippe tried two and nearly puked, so it's a relatively short game, but fun to try when you have the time. It's here I always pause and wonder about the person whose job it was to eat 50 versions of booger-flavored jellies and decide that one was the boogeriest of them all. I imagine he or she out with friends saying, Oh man, me too. I was so ready for five. <laughs> if I had to taste one more booger today, I was going to go nuts. No, wait. If this person actually dares to talk about their line of work, it's equally likely they have no friends at all. However you indulge in candy, I hope you do so with joy and moderation. Hopefully you have some sitting around waiting to try, but if not, and it's close to Halloween, you can always ask the kids to share it with you, but keep in mind they've already eaten the best ones. And I think I've already warned you about the dangers of playing candy roulette. Rubber ducky, you're the one. Today we have a little yellow duck, which became a bit of a cultural icon with the help of Ernie from Sesame Street in his signature song, Rubber Ducky. It actually reached number 16 on Billboard's Hot 100 singles list in 1970 and was even nominated for a Grammy Award. The song was ridiculously catchy fun for little kids like myself to sing constantly until told to leave the room. 
for anyone who missed this piece of music history, Ernie sings the song in a bathtub to his duck. It's an incredibly short song with lines like, When I squeeze you, you make noise, and delicious rhymes like, I find a little fellow who's cute and yellow and chubby rub-a-dub-dubby. Though light on lyrics, not many kids knew all of the words, so they would just repeat the first couple of lines over and over again, making the song even more irritating. But the popularity of the song did serve to make rubber ducks the must-have bathtub toy for generations. But these little guys aren't just for kids, as they are also for people who collect them. In 1996, Charlotte Lee began collecting different versions of the iconic duck and now has over 5,600 different ducks adorning the shelves of the glass cases in her dedicated duck room. This thankfully earned her the Guinness World Record for the largest collection of rubber ducks. To truly enjoy them properly, of course, she'd have to take them to Mumbai, India, which boasts the world's largest bathtub. As well as collectors, many artists over the years have fallen for the lure of this duck. Gigantic floating rubber duck sculptures designed by Dutch artist Florentian Hoffman have been spotted floating in rivers all across the world. This and many other reasons make this clearly the most celebrated and famous bath toy on the planet. But for me, it was all about Ernie's love song. Without that, it would have just been an odd-shaped yellow duck that squeaked when you grabbed it. The idea of singing your devotion to a rubber toy of any kind is absolutely ridiculous. And that's exactly what made it perfectly awesome. It was so dumb and made me giggle every time, and so memorable that I can still remember singing along. Not many things in life have that kind of impact, and seeing rubber duck still makes me smile. Whether it's the size of a small building or just the simple little version I had as a child. Perhaps there will one day be a new iconic bath toy to win the hearts of people everywhere. But for today at least, rubber ducky, you're the one. When There Were Dragons Once upon a time, there was a little boy who wanted more than anything to have a little pet dragon. Not the giant, terrifying kind that would breathe fire through its nostrils while scorching villagers. That kind was scary and seemed to have severe emotional problems. No, he simply wanted a tiny one with wings that was small enough to fit on his shoulder or the pocket of his coat. The ability to fly was crucial as the boy himself had always dreamt of being able to fly. Once, when visiting a pet store with his mother, he looked in all of the little glass aquariums, hoping to spot a little dragon to take home with him. When he asked his mother where they kept the dragon, she smiled and simply said, This isn't that kind of store. Those stores are far, far away in another land, dear. And seriously, what's wrong with that hamster? The little boy simply looked out of the window of the shop, squinting into the distance, wondering just how far that land might be. Tossing and turning that night, he awoke the next morning with a plan, and nothing would ever be the same again. He quickly gobbled up breakfast and rushed out the door, running as fast as he could down to the nearby creek. Walking along the water's edge, he eventually found the clearing with a tiny patch of leaves he'd remembered. 
Digging into his pocket, he pulled out a shiny marble and set it on the ground there. The glint of the sun through the trees caused the marble to sparkle and glow. He jumped behind a tree and peered out at the marble to see if his plan was working. Just moments later, he saw what looked like two tiny marbles sparkling nearby, only to realize they were actually little eyes. Could it be? He knelt down and crawled closer until he finally saw a little purple lizard-like face staring back at him. He was just a head peering out through leaves, but he knew it must have wings as well. It rocked its head back and forth as if analyzing the boy, deciding what to do now that it had been discovered. The little boy stared back, willing it to fly over and sit next to him. An hour passed, and neither boy nor creature moved from that spot. The sun was setting, and the boy looked away only briefly to see that the marble had stopped glowing. When he looked back, his dragon was gone. The little boy searched the sky but couldn't find anything but ordinary clouds, and then he suddenly felt very alone. He sadly stood up from his spot, walked over, and reached down to pick up the marble. That's when he saw it. There in the swirled purple center was a shape he'd not seen before. Turning it just right, he could now clearly see a tiny winged dragon inside. His heart started racing. Had the dragon leapt out of the marble just for a moment and then jumped back inside? It was getting dark, so the boy rushed home, cradling the precious marble. For many days after, he tried putting the marble in the sun, but the dragon never made another appearance. He carried that marble with him for months, then years, until one day when he looked inside, he could only see swirls of purple and not a dragon at all. And the now older boy smiled to himself as he spotted the much littler boy who lived next door. He walked over and asked him, Do you believe in dragons? To which the littler boy nodded vigorously. He gently handed him the marble and pointed to it as the sun caused it to glow and the littler boy's eyes grew large as saucers in astonishment. The older boy turned and started to walk away, but then turned back and quietly said, be sure to take good care of him. Thanks so much for listening to the Sketching Stuff podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and new episodes will be added bi-weekly. Visit me at sketchingstuff.com to share your comments and stories. Thank you.